Hi, everyone. Welcome to Climate Change, the real story with our host, Dr. Robert Marks. How are you, Dr. Marks? You know, the podcast, we've talked about lots of different topics, but the one of your book, that's what gets people thinking. But you have lots of different topics for us always and interesting stories. Oh, indeed. And and a lot of it funnels down to climate change. Look at what it's done to our economy. Look what's going on in the Middle East and how much that has to do with oil and this scam about CO2. Uh, so if um, we could begin, I have a, a, a podcast I want to talk to uh, your uh, listeners about sea level rise. So if I can, uh, if uh, your listeners have been uh, tuning into my other podcast, I think you know the position uh, that I have tried to get over to everyone, uh, and that is the climate is changing. It's changing much slower than our CO2 zombies would have you believe, uh, it is also not due to CO2. And we talk about climate change is the globe is gradually warming uh, and the seas are rising very slowly. But let's delve into that with a little bit uh, more detail. The uh, sea level rise uh, has been noted to be um, less than two inches per decade. Now, that's a pretty slow sea level rise. Uh, It's been documented. And what I'd like to bring forward to everyone is that uh, there's been a global climate intelligence group developed by non-governmental paid-for scientists. And they put out the World Climate Declaration. Now, these are people not to be ignored. Uh, These are Nobel Prize laureates. These are independent researchers in the climatology. And these are ex-government employees who are somewhat like blowing the whistle about all of the scam that's going on with so-called climate change. Now, I'll try to relate this to the um, issues with um, sea level rise. Uh, What I want to get over to everyone is that the sea level rise is going on and again, it's about two to three inches per decade. So, how do we know that? Well, in the recent newspapers, I think you might find it interesting. The um, archaeologists have found a whole mammoth skeleton in 120 feet of water in the North Sea. Interesting enough. Also, in um, the English Channel, they are finding routinely bones of prehistoric mammoths, uh, saber-toothed tigers, woolly rhinoceros. These were animals that lived during the Pleistocene era. And most of these are around 20,000 to 15,000 years ago. So the English Channel was dry land at that time, is what it's telling you. The North Sea, here a mile out, was dry land. So the question comes up, what did CO2 have to do with that? The sea levels have been rising between 25,000 years ago and 13,000 years ago. In fact, in my home state of Florida, uh, one of my fishing colleagues pulls up a big bone. It turned out to be um, a mammoth hip bone from the Gulf of Mexico. He was in 35 feet of water fishing. Uh, And then we've had a recent discovery in the so-called St. John's River, which was also in 30 feet of water of a prehistoric um, uh, mammoth once again. So m- my point is, 
the last ice age peaked out 25,000 years ago. It ended completely to about what we have now 12,000 years ago. So here's this massive ice melt that has gone on totally unrelated to CO2 due to natural phenomena. And I'll be able to tell you what actually caused that. We know now. So anyway, uh, let me break with a little bit of an anecdote. Uh, in my other life, I am a bone scientist, bone researcher, and head and neck cancer surgeon. Um, during the COVID uh, era, I got together and developed amongst all my colleagues a, um, a bone symposium. Uh, we had everything organized. Uh, now, a bone symposium is a bunch of bone geeks like myself uh, at orthopedic surgeons and oral and maxillofacial surgeons, which is what I am. Uh, we get together and we have lectures by some of the more eminent people in the field, and it's a great educational experience. Uh, back in the middle 2000s, I did a, a bone symposium and invited the dinosaur hunter, Jack Horner. Now, Jack Horner is an expert on the T-Rex, and he just enthralled everybody with what he knew about the Tyrannosaurus Rex. He knew about the bone, how old they were, what kind of life they live. He can tell a male from a female by the bones and, and that they shed their teeth once a year. We were all in awe, thinking we were scientists. And here this fellow who has no other training other than field training impressed the heck out of it, all of us. Well, getting back to uh, this bone symposium, I did the same thing. Our, our social event on a Saturday night, I invited uh, Dr. John Hawks. Uh, I would invite you to look him up some of his YouTube. He is an expert on the Neanderthals. And I wanted him to give us a, a lecture um, about the bones of Neanderthals. So he took my call. We arranged everything you know, for him to give that lecture. And in chatting with him, uh, I think some interesting things came to light. Well, the first thing that came to light uh, is he said, well, the Neanderthals are not the brutish uh, dumb things we thought that they were. They actually were fairly intelligent. They were fairly uh, creative, uh, but they led a very difficult life. And I said, well, what do you base that on? Well, he said, well, there was a lot of uh, bone fractures that had healed. Uh, they had a lot of hip dysplasias from being thrown by animals and fighting amongst themselves. Uh, and their average lifespan was 26 years. And right now, human lifespan is 86 years. Uh, and that the oldest uh, one that they could ever determine was a 52-year-old male uh, and had plenty of old scars and bone scars and the like. And so I thought, well, that was that's very interesting. But I, being a bone person, I knew they could figure that out from fossilized skeleton. Well, then he goes on to say, well, you know, we know uh, also what they ate. And my reaction to, the, you know what they ate? They're all a bunch of bones and teeth. How did you know what they ate? And so he shocks me by saying, well, this is right up your alley being a former dentist. Says we take their fossilized skeleton and their jaws and their teeth and we scrape the tartar off their teeth. We grind it up, emulsify it, and do DNA analysis. So I'm sitting there totally shocked that they're that good. And so, okay, I'll bite. What did they eat? And he said, well, interesting enough, they eat a lot of plants. Um, and I said, well, they, they, we kind of fashioned that they're kind of meat eaters. And he says, yes, um, they ate a lot of antelope. They ate a lot of small game. Uh, they ate some bigger an antelope, but they never ate fish 
for seafood. And they lived very close to the sea. Uh, he didn't know why, but they never were able to find DNA from fish, mollusks, or clams, or anything else. And he said the other thing they didn't eat, they didn't eat the Yurok. Now, the Yurok is the genetic forerunner of today's cattle, beef. When he said that, that inspired me for my previous book called Replay. Replay, uh, I'll put a plug in right now. I suggest that you might look that up. It's an interesting novel. Climate change is not a novel. It's real. And I'm trying to educate people on what is really causing climate change. But Replay will educate you a great deal about vaccines, why they work, why they don't work, why... Um, uh, the drug companies are so corrupt and how they are corrupt. So it's it's an interesting novel. I think you would find uh, a, a good pastime as a quick read of about three, four hours if you read it settled. But anyway, the last comment that he made was a lament. Uh, he says, you know, it's really difficult compared to my colleagues who look at modern man, homo sapiens. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because uh, they didn't live too close to the shores and most of the good sites to archaeology are in 200 feet of water. The Neanderthals lived during the Ice Age. When the Ice Age melted, most of their caves, which for some reason they tended to be along the shoreline, they are now flooded. And to do an excavation with nitrous oxide or, or nitrous tanks is, is very difficult to do in 200 foot of water. Uh, and so a, a lot of the good... Uh, sites are um, compromised. So anyway, uh, I will leave that little anecdote. I thought maybe your your listeners would be interested. So, okay. Well, if CO2 has nothing to do with the rise of the oceans, what does? Well, fundamentally, uh, one of my earlier podcasts with you identified that most of it's coming as a rebound of the last ice age. We tend not to really um, study the last ice age that much, but a third of the world was covered in an ice sheet measuring a mile and a half thick. When that melted, it brought the seas up from what I was telling you, the English Channel was dry. Uh, many uh, of the uh, areas uh, are now underwater that were dry land at that time. It brought it up to about present day uh, levels, but it didn't stop there. The land was so compressed that it's been rebounded. And in my book, Climate Change, The Real Story, I show dramatic pictures of the levels after the last ice age compared to the levels now in the Great Lakes, in Canada, and in Minnesota and Wisconsin. That's where the ice age was. You can see it for yourself. You don't have to uh, even believe me on that. So all of that water is draining into the oceans and has been. And it exceeds that that being refilled by rain and snow. So... Uh, the oceans are rising because of a drainage phenomenon. The other reason is encroachment into the oceans. I think if we really look at it, uh, every city on the coast has built out into the ocean. It's a displacement phenomenon. Um, the Chinese built a whole island out there in the South China Sea for their military purposes. Well, every, every bit of cement, every bit of, of dirt and gravel they use to build that is displaced water. Same thing uh, I've noted in one of my previous podcasts to remind you is that where the World Trade Center is, was, excuse me, um, that was actually in New York Harbor in 1754. 
because once the, the excavation occurred, they found a anchored British torture ship from 1754. So there was water there. And the entire uh, San Francisco financial district used to be part of uh, San Francisco Bay. But that's just the, the icing on the cake. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Every city has moved out into the ocean to somewhat, and that causes the, the levels to rise. And then recently, in, two, in January of 2022, uh, a well-known volcano, the volcano, the Hunga Tonga uh, volcano, was an underwater volcano that um, erupted. Uh, it spewed out water at the temperature of 570 degrees. So that warms the ocean a little bit. And it created a big landmass. It also reminds us that the Hawaii is a landmass created by underwater volcanoes. And these are still going. So the the climate is changing. The waters are rising. But it has nothing to do with CO2. If the, the people who believe that it is CO2 would look at all the data, they would be very surprised to see that the CO2 contribution is almost non-existent. So we do know a whole lot more. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say is that the jet stream that is off of Florida and, and brings warm water up to the Greenland Iceland area uh, is a relatively new phenomenon. That jet stream didn't exist 60,000 years ago. Once the Isthmus of Panama finally formed and shut off communication between the Atlantic and the Pacific, it directed warm Caribbean water equator-type water up north. And that's why when you look at the hurricanes, and maybe you're not as interested in hurricanes as we are here in Florida, what do they eventually do? They all either hit or just miss us, and they start heading north. The reason they do is that the jet stream forces them to go north, as well as some other weather patterns. But that's nature's way of balancing heat distribution throughout the globe. And so the next podcast, I'm going to talk about Al Gore, the major mistake he's made, and another guy named James Hansen. Those are the two responsible for starting the misinformation, and I hope to point out all the flaws that they did to create this scam, that now we have too many people that have been, I hate to use the word brainwashed, but basically been overly influenced and who do not uh, look for other reasons and just accept the dogma of CO2. So with that, hopefully that's some new information for everybody and an inspiration to some. Thanks. All right. That was Climate Change, the Real Story Podcast with Dr. Robert Marks. You can check it out on Spotify. Soon it'll be up available on Apple Podcasts. Even though you can listen to Climate Change, the Real Story on the Neil Haley Show and also listen to it on his podcast as well and his nationally syndicated radio show. Appreciate it, Dr. Marks. We will talk very soon. All right. That was Climate Change, the Real Story with Dr. Robert Marks. Take care.